morning, Crossroads. How are you? Doing good. We have, it feels like it's almost, but not quite a spring day outside. It's just absolutely gorgeous. But thank you for joining us this morning. And um, it's great to see you. Father, thanks. Just thanks for this beautiful day that we have outside. Thank you for each person here, Lord. Um, just that we can come together and worship and, and hear your word, your glorious word, Lord. And thank you that we're different. Um, we're studying differences. And in the next part of our message here, we're going to be talking about generational differences. And um, we're grateful um, that you have created us that way. And we're also grateful, Lord, that you have provided us uh, within your word um, how we can navigate those differences, Lord, and glorify you in all things. So we just thank you for that, Lord. We know that your hand's on Bill as he delivers this message. We're grateful for him and everybody here at this church and the volunteers that help make this church your church, open, welcome, inviting, and a place where we can hear your word all the time. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. It's a beautiful day to be 60 to 78 years young. Here's another gold moldy. Your phone charges on. Your phone charges on. Have a house. Lovely. Your phone torches on. <laughs> Careful, Seymour. Watch out for the generation gap. I wonder how they're going over there. Yeah, bloody Gen Zs. Just remember, we're the ones that invented your precious World Wide Web. Seymour! Oh, classic boomers, making the gap bigger. They'd understand if they just listened to us. Yeah, season one was better. Hey, do you think all this screen time is adversely affecting our social skills? Well, it could be worse. We could be in our early 30s. Hey, millennials are still cool, right? So not slay. Are we saying slay now? Slay. 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 I just feel like no one pays attention to Gen X. We've got so much to say. I don't care what they do. Just not in my backyard. Hey, hey, my backyard! This is their fault. Don't look at us. We're literally perfect. Typical young people. Everyone gets a trophy. We were kids. You bought us the trophy. Stop gaslighting us. That's not what that means. Cancel. Cancel. Is that lamb? Lamb. You know, when I was a kid, we'd have lamb in. Lamb barbecue? Lit. <laughs> well, at least we can agree on something. to my phone as well. Takeaway coffees could be hotter. It's okay you spent 368 billion on submarines. Yeah, it was an impulse buy. Being a young person in Australia must be difficult. Being an old person must be pretty tricky too. Probably. I'm sorry.
Yeah. Most people are unaware that the ninth of this month was Lamb Day in Australia and New Zealand. I had lamb this week. I just want you to know that I'm part of this getting the generations together deal that we're talking about. Uh, but we are going to be talking about unity. We're going to be talking about the generational gaps and the things that separate uh, different ages. Uh, but we're going to say up front, we're going to end with this concept, is there is a lamb that unites the world. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took my sins and took the sins of everyone that wants to follow him so that we might be united. So this is, this is where we're going at the end. Uh, but to get there, we're going we're to take a trip. We're going we're gonna to continue part of our series. For those of you, this may be your first time. The title of the series is Irreconcilable Differences. And we've been looking at areas that are irreconcilable inside of our culture, inside of ourselves. Uh, we, we looked at each one of them. We started out that if the, the kingdom is divided against itself, it will not stand. And so we've been looking at some of the divisions inside of our country. We looked at families, how they're dividing and, and separating over small issues, over divorce and all politics. There are some divisions that are destroying our country. We looked at how churches, Christian churches, can be divided inside themselves and outside themselves, which makes us non-effective. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing generational. And I have to apologize for those of you who follow the study guide. Uh, I had to flip the messages, and I'm doing generational today. Uh, I have surgery this coming week. They're going to, they're going to do multiple hair transplants. And so uh, it'll be a whole new bushy bill when you see me again. Uh, but flip that so inside of your study guides, make sure that happens. Uh, okay, as we go on, my, my apology on that. This, this irresistible, irreconcilable differences in each of these areas. This week we're talking about generations, age groups that, that are against each other, that seem to be divided in a way that they can't come together. So uh, these are the generations we're going to be talking about. Uh, these, there's all the way, find yourself in there somewhere. Uh, hopefully you're in there somewhere. Uh, I find, I'm, I'm identified as a boomer, but I'm really a silent generation. And I was born in 1943. And so I am really old. And that gives me a different perspective for this message, because as you see as we go along, we're going to talk about generations inside of our country and what they do. But this is, this is where they are, and this is what we're going to be talking about. But what's at the top of that list is something that's huge. It's the building block of any culture. It's a building block of any nation. It's a building block. It's called family. God created families. Where, uh, where, where a husband and a wife can, can join their lives together. They can join their futures together. Uh, they, they have kids, and the kids grow up. And this is, that's a generation. I'm going to define generations as 40 years. 40 years uh, for a, a, a child to be born, to grow up, to get married, to have kids, to raise the kids, to have the kids take everything that you've given them and leave. That's a generation, 40 years. So we're going to be using those numbers as we go through this, uh, as far as generations are concerned. We'll be coming back to them all the, all the time. Reconcilable. Can we, literally, and, and that video was not joking. There are definite 
divisions and strife between generations in our culture today. We will be talking about how to resolve those. Now, I want to just point something out to you that, that, that you may have seen. Generations take 40 years. Used to take somewhere 60 years, depending on where it is. But look at the last generations. In a 40-year period, we pumped out three generations. They are remarkably different inside of themselves. The rate of change inside of our culture, because the rate of discovery, technology, information sharing, education, all of those things is so fast that we've now jammed three generations together in a 40-year period. We'll talk about how that impacts it. It has a, has a great impact as we go along in this. But what, what defines and says this generation is different from the other? What are the forming factors that take place in that? And so parenting, childhood will define a person. Do, are, we in, are we in a stable home? Are we in a what, single family home or a single parent home? Uh, economic conditions. Are, are, are we struggling? Are we in a deep depression? Or are we in abundant wealth? That defines so much of the generation, the kids, when they grow up, what are their expectations? Social conditions, stable, turmoil, peace, source of truth and morality. We've, these last three generations have gone through a radical change in the definition of truth and the definition of morality. It has gone from what God said to what science says to what I say. That's my morality. And so that's the reality uh, as far as that. And that's kids growing up. They have their own personal truth. Leadership preferences. How do you want to be led? Early communication. When you're young, what's, how do you communicate with each other? We're going to see communication, means of communication later. Uh, my generation, if I wanted to interact with someone, I, this is going to sound crazy to, if you're under 40. I would go look them in the face and say, yo, face. I'm Bill, let's talk. And so it would be a personal interaction. Now, uh, most communication today is done non-personal. It, it's done through text, it's done through email. Uh, even, even the cell phone, you, you send, if you want a really deep message, you send an emoji. Whoa. That, that's this communication back and forth. Change right, and that changes people. If, if we're unable to have conversations across generational lines because the communication skills are so eroded, that makes a big difference. Uh, rat, you know, relational security and belonging, this has a lot to do with uh, family, for sure, but it has a lot to do with the culture. Do we feel like we belong in this culture? Many generations now don't. They feel like they're visitors coming through in each of them. Finally, huge, hope. Hope. The, uh, the worry of hope inside of our culture today. Some of the angst and, and the hostility that goes back to me. I'm going to quote a millennial. Uh, I feel cheated. That's, that's it. All, now it's all up to me. Uh, by being in the younger generation, I have to save the world from itself. It's self-destruct the uh, Ecology, uh, we're in debt over our heads. There is no hope. Uh, one other uh, Gen Z, uh, you spent the money. You put us in debt. You destroyed the climate. You broke my government. They're mad at me. And if you're old, they're mad at you too. So uh, join in that. 
What's, what is the hope? Generational conflict is this uh, intergenerational as we look at each other and we say, we just can't get along. You're so different. We can't get along. I'm going to stay with my group. You stay with your group. Uh, let's, let's talk about hope. We're going to come back to this a couple of times. There's one place where there's hope. It's right here. We're one in Christ. We're not generations. We're one in Christ. We're, we've been saved by God's grace and mercy. He's taken us and each of us has a story. We have a story of being far from God and, and then by, by his grace, he, he showed himself to us. And, and, and then we, we came into that relationship with Christ when we laid our lives down and started to live his life. It was no longer all about me. It was about Christ. It was about other people. For by grace we've been saved. And when that happens, we are created anew in Christ Jesus. And so we become one as a body. This, uh, we, we, we came in as individuals, and, and we are. But in Christ, we're all one. There's neither male nor female, young, old, uh, Jew, Gentile, any of them. We have this opportunity, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, is this is the cure to generational divisions inside of it. Now, I want to take a, a moment only, only because I think it's fun uh, to do that. Uh, we're in Christ. The common bond is the family. When the family suffers, when the family fragments, when the family finds its identity outside of the family, when, when kids find their identity and their friends and parents find their identity and their economic status, their jobs, and everything outside the home, once that starts to happen, the tearing starts to happen inside the home, inside the reality there. Because God put us together as a home. He says the mystery is profound. I'm saying it refers to Christ and his church. Let a husband love his wife. Let a wife respect her husband. Children, get ready. Obey your parents. And, and there's no fancy theology there. Children, obey your parents. For this is right. For this is right. Uh, the chaos of a home. Go, if you don't believe me, go to Walmart. When there's this strife and back and forth and arguing, kids screaming uh, that are going on there, obey your father and mother. This is a command that it may go well with you and live long in the land. And please, if, we, if that doesn't happen, we won't live long in the land. When families fragment, fall apart, we won't live long in the land. And dads, moms, be godly parents. We'll come to that at the end because that's really the takeaway from this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to Never Never Land. Never Never Land is, is a place that used to exist. And, and many here, if you're under 40, you probably never lived in this world. But because I'm really old, and actually I can identify with generations back to 1860, 1870, I lived in that land. I had a native guide as my grandfather. Augustus' son. That's him. He, he was that little handsome guy on the right with hair. Yeah, yeah that's, that's with hair. Uh, 
My grandfather, we, we lived with my grandfather uh, in, in Spring Valley, California. Uh, when I was growing up, lived there until I was in the fifth grade. My dad was in the Navy, always out to sea. They had a house built onto a house, so my mom, myself, my brother, we lived there. My dad, when he was there, we lived there. Now, what, am I, what, what is so exceptional about this? There were no generational splits. We were a family. We were united. Now, my grandfather is, is an object of uh, my admiration, but this, this is where the story starts that some of you may not have seen. He loved this country. He didn't start out here. He started out in Sweden. In his young 20s, he got out of the Swedish Calvary. Yeah. And, and came, risked it all, threw it away. Everything that he had there, all his, he left, came to Ellis Island legally and became a citizen, ultimately, of the United States. Why did he do that? Then, now, and long before, this is the best country in the world. You don't hear that, guys. A lot of you grew up hearing how bad we are and how ruined we are. That's not who we are. That's not who we are at all. He grew up, came here, uh, came to work. He went to work. He built houses in Hillcrest and San Diego. Uh, he was a laughing uh, plasterer that put that up before drywall. Uh, he worked hard his whole life. One day, uh, one of the most powerful moments in my life was we were sitting around somewhere, and, and one of his old workmen came over. And he pointed at my grandfather and said, that's the hardest working man I ever met. Changed my life. The guy said, he's the jog across work sites. I remember when I was helping build Calvary Chapel, the first building up there, and we're laying out concrete stakes, and I'm jogging from one side to the other, and that thought came to mind. Thanks, Gramps. He called me Runty. Can you believe he would call me Runty? I mean, I'm still dealing with that on the inside. But where he went, I went. I was his shadow. Uh, and, and, and I learned. There was no division. There was no strife. There was nothing like that. His mother, or excuse me, his wife was Carolyn Scheitress. She also was from Sweden. They met in Salt Lake City. I think they got married. They were the only two that spoke Swedish. So that was a good logical move. They moved together over and started a life in San Diego. Uh, it changed. Uh, the honest love for country. Uh, they lived through the Depression. Now, we thought we've seen economic times. 40% of the people couldn't get a job. They're standing in lines just the hope of working an hour or two to feed their families. We whine when our, our, our TSP goes down 1%. They live through that. They learn how to deal with it. Uh, they, it, was, it was my grandfather that would load us up in his uh, Model A Ford and take us to church. My brother and I would fight over who gets to ride in the rumble seat. For those of you who are younger... Uh, a rumble seat was a little thing to flop down in the back, and you could ride around there, no seats, no nothing. Everything. It's almost as much fun as a pickup truck. But we would we'd go to church. He'd take us. I remember sitting around with him, and 
watching him through our, into his place. And he's got his Swedish Bible, which I have at home sitting out, reading this little teeny Swedish Bible. It's in Swedish. I, I don't read it. Uh, but he read it. I hope to see him in heaven. We, there's, there's generational moments. We would pull the radio out under 40, a radio. Uh, it's this thing that would, you would be able to tune in different stations and places, and you'd be able to hear things back then. And, and in a typical week, there might be three or four shows on. So we would gather around, myself, my brother, and my grandfather, and we would listen to Gunsmoke. There's no, it was the best. Why am I, why am I bringing that out? He was kind of my role model in another area, too. For those of you who know me, he fell out of an avocado tree when he was 70 years old and got up and went back to work a couple days later. Uh, everyone loved our country. This country saved Europe in World War I. This country saved the world from Hitler in World War II. Not only did we save the world, we went to our enemies and we rebuilt the two strongest economies, the one in Asia, Japan, and the one in Germany, uh, in Europe, Germany. Uh, this was who we were. This is what we did. No generational issues. They came later. They came later. Fed by multiple forces that changed. But what actually happened is we destroyed our foundations by the choices that we had in that list of educational choices of all these other things. The foundations were destroyed. We say, flee like a bird to the mountain. Behold the wicked. Bend the bow. They do it. The foundations are destroyed. The foundations of our country was Jesus Christ, the, the, the Constitution, our godly fathers, and these founding fathers. Now, this is what happened. They all got canceled. We got smart and said, we, those guys knew nothing. This form of government has been copied all the way around the world. Everyone is jealous of our freedom. Everyone is jealous of the government system that we have. And yet we're trashing it and throwing it away. The foundations are being destroyed. And with that, the, the culture shakes. There's nothing that's positive there. Uh, flee, the, the foundations. Woke movement, if you're not familiar with it, it means that you're alert. You are the one that's so sensitive to if there's any mistreatment of people or anything else. You stand up and if someone 40 years ago made an offhand comment that doesn't, uh, you don't approve of with your social sensibilities, you cancel them. Some of our heroes have been thrown in the trash over the years. Whether military heroes, uh, Hollywood heroes, whatever they are, they've been trashed and thrown away. It's, we, they, we become social warriors for the downtrodden, for those things in each of those areas. We, we, and again, I'm for equality. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's our country. But this little sensitivity to squish anyone uh, that doesn't agree with the current company line uh, social inequities, whether it's in racial injustice, sexism, denial of LGBTQ rights. Cancel culture, another movement today, is engaging in mass canceling. If you say something in public as a, as a politician or something else, they cancel you. You're no longer valid. The, the, you've, many of you have seen the stamp, canceled. And so people lose everything on one statement, one idea, because this social group doesn't agree with them. They're canceled. They lose their voice. There's no freedom of speech. If you don't line up to the party line, you don't line up. So these started to take place inside of our lives. It, 
It started mostly, if you will, in the boomers. The boomers, the boomers, my favorite boomers. So much money, so quick, so much luxury, so quick. After World War II, this country turned into an economic dynamo. We produced for the whole world. Our farms fed the whole world. Our manufacturing dominated. We produced the steel, the wood, the everything that there. We produced it all. And, and the money flowed. Conspicuous consumption. Uh, materialism. You, wanted, you, you kept buying bigger and bigger and bigger houses that were taking place. Uh, other things happened during that time. Uh, but there's a source of them, and let's look at the source. The source is Satan. How can you destroy a country if you make it too rich? You can destroy a country. You make it too poor, they work harder. You make it rich, they get arrogant. They get arrogant and pompous. There was a book uh, during this time called The Ugly American. We were so ugly as we went out around. We were so arrogant, so pumped up with ourselves that, that we, we fell. This is... This is Satan using pride against us as a nation. And as we stopped watching and, and doing what was right, he came in and he rotted away the foundations. Our kids have been taught that we're a second-rate nation. During this time, so many different things happened. Truth was changed. Truth is now personal truth. This slide is one of my favorite. It's just ponder it for a minute. Facts. We're supposed to build our lives on facts. Facts are supposed to be what the train pulls the train. We've taken facts and we've thrown them out. My personal opinion in this culture is worth more than clear, objective facts that can be presented. We can, what we feel like is what we are. It, what, what, what gender we feel like, that's us. What, what superiority we have, our high self-esteem that's us. You know, this, all of this teaching of Maslow and Rogers and all of these other things has just destroyed us. We worship self because we, we have the own, our own opinion. We're right. You, no one can go wrong. Uh, in those days, there was no king. There was no central point. There was nothing. And everyone just did their own thing. It's a culture we live in today. Well, what does that do? It splits everybody because my thing isn't your thing. I don't know if you knew that. Your thing isn't the thing of the guy next to you, the girl next to you. We all have our own thing. And that's exactly what they're talking about. When one generation or one group starts to pull off by themselves and point back. It says justice turns back. Righteousness stands far away. Truth has stumbled. You're, one of the favorite things that is fun with a, a millennia, a XYZ, is that they make some statement of fact. They say, well, this is I read it on the internet. Give me three facts. Give me three facts. And they'll go, huh? They'll almost ask what a, what a fact is. We've so shifted and changed in this. Uh, we, we set ourselves up for this in, the, in those days. Now, let's just take a quick look at this. Parenting became permissive. We no longer thought that it was necessary to discipline our kids. By the way, just a quick side note on that so I don't keep you here until 4.30 uh, Parenting was changed in the 1960s by a book where we 
bought into psychobabble that kids are basically good. You leave them alone, don't discipline them, and they will grow up into role models, moral role models for the culture. That's not true. They're sinners. They're selfish, self-centered. They, they do what they want to do. If they want your stuff, they'll do that. You, stay, you can't eat tonight. They'll push you out of the way, rip the door open, and eat all your ice cream. It's not fair. Parenting change. Economic conditions change. We got wealthy. Social conditions, stable. We went unstable. We'll talk about war in a minute. Source of truth, morality, mobility. We now had cars. Not paid for, mostly. But we had cars. Educational goals. The goal of education in this country went from educating kids to indoctrinating kids. In 1960, we were number one in the nation in education. We're now 39. I always want to point out, Scovovia is ahead of us. Who oh, in the world is Scovovia with a better educational system than we have in our country? Because we're not educating, we're indoctrinating. It just goes on. Values, money, freedom, independence. What changed? It used to be money. It used to be an important object. That security. Not necessarily money in a bad sense. Just security going on with that. that. That was the value that was there. Then, now the value, next generation became time. We don't have enough time. We're, we're, we're pushing. If, I, had to, if I, I can always get more money, I can't get more time. Uh, more time with our kids. More time with... All time. You know what's the most important value in the last three generations? Personal autonomy. They get to define their life and no one can tell them what that is. My personal choices rule and reign over everything. Uh, communication is obviously we went from personal to impersonal. Uh, employment opportunities, the demands for that, meeting preferences, means of communication, relational security and belonging. We're insecure. You know, this, I'm going to use a word that irritates people, so get ready to be irritated. Fragile. People, younger generations are fragile because their self-worth is built on themselves. So if someone puts a post on their website I can't believe they said that about me. And, and, and many, all of us have read the stories of a, sim, a simple post or a couple of posts causes suicide. They choose the way out because their, their self-esteem has been de 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 damaged. It, and I'm not making fun of them. I'm saying, how did we let that happen? Our worth is, is found in Jesus Christ. Our worth is, is found in so many other things. Hope for the future. So many of them again in this whole thing. But uh, quickly, I want to talk about a couple of things that, that really happened uh, that I think was the, was the thing that, that turned the corner uh, for us. Vietnam. Up until Vietnam, now, I was in Vietnam a couple of years, lost a lot of good friends there. Uh, there was a real reason for Vietnam. We did not fight Vietnam. We lost Vietnam by our choice. Guess who the real enemy was in Vietnam? China. And we let them do their thing above the border. We wouldn't go after the real enemy, so we lost 
to the secondary enemy down below. Same thing we did in Korea, too. Go back and look. Uh, so what happened was we had hundreds of thousands of troops fighting in Vietnam, and we had hundreds and thousands of protesters protesting that they didn't want to go. Guess who ended up being the hero? Not the Marine, the soldier, the Air Force, none of those that were, that were dying and bleeding. They weren't the hero. The protesters were. Here's a uh, respect to whom respect. For those of you who aren't familiar with that wall on the right has over 50,000 names of people who died in Vietnam. I knew some of them. This is the victory parade. Troops came home being called baby killers. It changed us. Public opinion demonstration on college campuses became the deciding factor on where we were going as a country. Those in rebellion set the agenda. Think about the last couple of years. How is our agenda set? It's set for demonstrations, even riots, even looting, even taking over parts of cities. The majority just stands by and watches a minority run their mouths and ruin the nation. Generations. Generations bring that. Let's, let's look at a couple of other examples of them. Uh, this one is particularly good. This is Australia. Someone had the idea to cancel Captain Cook. Captain Cook is the one that founded Australia and New Zealand. He probably had that wacky ass accent and gave it to everybody there. But they, they cut his legs off. There's actually, they have a video of the welding torches cutting Captain Cook's legs off, throwing it on the ground. Read what it says. The colony will fall. We're tearing it all down till there's nothing. A couple of people made a decision to cancel the colony. Personal decision it defines what takes place. You know, the, it, it, and that's the only, here's another one that uh, I described a couple of them. There's too many of them to even keep up with. These are two pictures. The one on the left is friends of Christopher Columbus. He still got his legs. They took his head off. Because Christopher Columbus ruined everything by discovering the Western Hemisphere. So obviously he should be headed. Look at all the damage he's done. On the right, now just think, these are teenage girls whose personal decision was that if you gotta stop using oil, people, stop driving those cars. You are ruining my planet, so I am taking action. I am going to go find a 200-year-old, 300-year-old work of art, and I am going to destroy it to get your attention. They should just grab him and spank the snot out of him. That's my opinion. You know, again, these are, these are personal opinions gone wild. Uh, one more, only because it's so in the news right now. Uh, I want to talk about stupidity on steroids. So many people in our country has picked up, have picked up a, a slogan 
From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. If you want fun, go to YouTube, type it in, and then they're going to have people go out and do interviews with these people. This lady holding the sign, she has no idea what that means. You should know what that means. From, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What that means is if you kill 7.2 million Jews, slaughter them like the Holocaust, then they'll be free. Only way. Every, all of them got to die. And this is a public chant that's going on around the world. Uh, do I ha what, what happened to us? Any common sense would be able to see that. This is a protest in the United States for Hamas. Those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Quote, it took 80 years to forget the Holocaust. 80 days to forget October 7th. They raped, they killed, they beheaded, they killed babies. They did all of these things, and all of a sudden, they're the heroes on the other side of the equation. Worshipped by the liberal press. This is a local picture. Uh, Father Crowley, this is his memorial. For those of you who hadn't noticed, it was destroyed. It's over here on Highway 14. Tore it down. Because Father Crowley uh, spread and worked with Indians up and down uh, the, the Sierra Mountains. And he, oh, you, you put the poor in. Again, th their opinion is they destroyed it. Kind of fun that if you go down 14, the next time you go down 14, look at the cleanup sign. Friends of Father Crowley are doing a cleanup there. They're making their statement. This is just stuff that happens inside of our culture. Am I saying, ain't it awful? No, I'm not. Are generations all bad? No, they're good. But there's a generation you should be aware of. Some of you are part of a generation that is the last generation. In the last days, there will be difficult times. People will be lovers of themselves, disobedient to parents. Look at it. That's around us. Now, what does that look This is important. This is reality today in our world. Jesus said there's going to be a last generation. When will that last generation take place? This fig tree superimposed against a picture. You may not know it. That's Tel Aviv behind us. Tel Aviv, Israel, as a nation, clawed itself out of the Holocaust, turned a swamp land that the Muslims had totally ruined. At, you know, our, couldn't grow anything in it. It was a total waste. Everything was a, just terrible. They built a nation. It becomes the fruit bowl of Europe. Technology it flows in Israel. They have a government, you know, they just had a trial saying they're apartheid. They got Muslims in their government. They got 1.2 million Muslims living in Israel, working in Israel, supported in Israel, and they have voting rights. And they're in the, the Knesset. They're, they're Congress representing themselves. When Israel came back into the land, all predicted thousands of years ago, uh, when this branch starts, when you see Israel back in the land and you see it bloom, Jesus said, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
There's some here that are going to live in the last generation. Some here are going to see Jesus come back. We talked about it in our prophecy update. I hope it's me too. I, I want to be part of the me too movement. Not that one. This one. The me too. I, I want to see him come. I want to see it all change. But, but what do we do but between now and that as, as, as we look at that? What do we do? We be the church. We be what Jesus Christ created to bring all generations, all people, all places together inside of Jesus Christ. He is faithful. He called us into fellowship with his son. I appeal to you, brothers, agree with one another, being united, same spirit, same judgment. You know, if there's ever going to be a place or a hope for unity and all that, it's right here. You know, some of the things that I, I want to talk about generationally inside of Crossroads, uh, our God is our hope. Inside of this church, our goal has been, and you may not see it, somehow, uh, we're uniting generations. We have godly parents raising godly kids. They're pushing back against the world culture. Homeschools, we have three homeschools that meet at Crossroads to remove them from the propaganda to have them educated in Christ and in the basics. Uh, each we have different things going on. Strong part of the church. Uh, kids are involved with adults, serving with adults. We just mentioned Mission Ridgecrest. You go out there and there's a bunch of little guys running around uh, with rakes and hoes. They're working with their mom, they're working with their dad, and they're doing projects out in this community. They're working and serving together. There's no division. There's no strife. They're out doing what they do. We look at a Nick's Thursday night group. Uh, we meet over there. He meets over here. They're loud and obnoxious. We're mature and quiet, wishing they're having all the fun. But they, they come and they bring their kids to the service. You know, some people you say, oh, no. The kids are interacting. The kids are behaving. We had an example. I was going to do this. I could, there's so much I could say here. Uh, we had Bruce Malone here. I've said this example before. He had a class. He had a lecture here. He had two at Kerr-McGee. Kerr-McGee, there'd be 250 plus kids and adults there. Young kids, young kids. And you know what? It was quiet. It was respectful. It was the most amazing thing. There, there wasn't any cutting up or... They, there was no generational problem. They were all listening and learning through that stuff. Uh, kids involved, uh, adults. Let me encourage you, adults and kids, Get into some cross-generational activities. If you've got kids, bring them to Silent Servants. Bring them to Mission Ridgecrest. Uh, Donna works with the Good News Kids. Goes to a church once a week and puts, tells them about Jesus. Join her. If, if you're going to have an activity or activities, do it as a family. You know, again, these are the ways that we pull it together. Amber and her crew run the Promise Land program upstairs that's outstanding. So many people come to Crossroads specifically because of our Promise Land. Did you know that? Because of our Promise Land, the way Amber and her crew runs it, people come to this church just for their kids to be in that program. Go join in. Change a diaper. Well, give that to someone else. But uh, no, what, 
whatever. Hold a kid. Go be involved in what's going on. Mission Ridgecrest, all of Nick, Kelsey, their group. It's impressive, respectful. Uh, we're, we're seeing a change take place, and it's going to continue to go. Level of respect back and forth in each one of those things. You know, find opportunities. You know, we sit here, have a conversation. When, you know, one of the things a church has got to be, it's got to be welcoming and greeting. No, age doesn't make any difference here. When someone comes in, sometimes people come in and, and they just want their head down. They don't want to interact with anyone. But look at an opportunity just to say hi. Just acknowledge people. Acknowledge kids. Sometimes younger generations feel judged by old dudes. I mean, they may come tatted and pierced and all this other stuff. Well, okay. Tats are good. Piercings work. There's nothing about Christ in that. Show respect across these lines as you, as you leave and everything else. Make it a habit to do that. Homeschool, sponsor a kid. If you can't do it, help, help get involved with them. Uh, if you've got a single mom that needs help, get involved with them in each of those things. Uh, you're, you're the messengers for Christ. We are the messengers for Christ. If we can't find unity in here, well, where can we find it? And you're, you're the ambassadors. We're the ambassadors. Generational divides is a construct put together by sociologists that are trying to divide us. Love recklessly and equally. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we, we're amazed at your plan. The solid trumpet of Christ our Savior that allows us new access to you, free access. That not only that, but we may have you flow through us to others. Lord, for the generations that are here, give us the mindful wisdom to only see your children, whether they're adult or age, whatever it is, those who you died for, and let us open our hearts to them. Uh, we thank you that you will do that through us. I ask you to multiply, multiply the work that's done by the, those that are uniting generations here. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.